0: Today,
1: expert knowledge is so highly valued that we learn to lead first as the expert whose mastery of the details helps teams solve problems. Eventually, as your leadership role expands, expert leaders find themselves in a role where others know more. Details are no longer so accessible, and decisions are made without a full understanding. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. It's time to find out how to make the transformation smooth and flawless. Now, here is Dr. Wanda Wallace.
2: Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm Wanda Wallace, and today we're continuing in our series on networking. So we all know that networking is really extremely important, but I just want to highlight some of the features of a great network, great internal network. It's going to give you information. It's going to give you access to talent. It gives you insights on opportunities, places you might go within the organization. It gives you perspective on what other people think and on current situations. And the more connections you have, the better the network gets. Pretty powerful and pretty tough to do a corporate job today without a very strong internal network. So with me today is Anna Catalona. Anna has a 30 year corporate history and is now spending her life with a diverse board portfolio covering a lot of corporate clients along with the nonprofit sector. She's a national board member of the Alzheimer's Foundation, Alzheimer's Association, excuse me. Um, Anna is an expert in global business, particularly around strategic branding and obviously a champion of women in business. Fortune rag- Magazine ranked her as the most powerful women, one of the most powerful women in international business and she's a frequent speaker on topics like marketing and corporate reputation and business leadership. Not only that, but she's the author of a blog, ShadesOfLeadership.com. So, Anna, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks. It's great to be here.
2: So, Anna, you could not have had the corporate success that you've had nor the board success that you've had without a network. So give us the secrets from your career. What did you do and when did you do it when you wanted to expand your network?
3: Well, you know, I actually think networking begins at the beginning of a career. I don't think you are ever too early in your career to network. And and I think the premise of networking, um, you know, the most important thing to keep in mind is that everyone you meet can make a difference in your professional and personal life. And if you go with that attitude, you will always be looking for opportunities to connect with people and also to connect people with one another, which is what I think is probably the most important part of networking. Um, so, you know, I, I always made it a point to make sure I followed up with people who I met at both internal and external events And I've kept those connections for decades, more decades than I probably care to to admit. (laughs) Some of them are clearly worth it because
2: I can say that that's how we met. We met through a connection, and you have just been fabulous about staying in touch with me over several years, which has been great. All right, so when you say um, stay connected with the people that you meet and connect other people to each other, give me an example of what you mean by that or how you've done it.
3: Well, you know, for example, I think that, you know, it's many of us go to external events and you go to external events and people stand around talking at cocktail parties, handing out business cards, things like that. And every once in a while, you'll come across someone who is tremendous, you know, just very interesting. You know, you pick up the business card and In many cases, you go home and you don't do anything with it, and if you don't do anything with it, a week later, you forget who the person is. So what I actually try and do is as soon as I get home from an event, I look through the cards, I look through the notes I took, and specifically, I go through and make sure that the people who I found most interesting, I send an email. Um, And, and, you know, with technology now, it's so easy to do that. A quick email, reminding them who I was, letting them know I'd love to stay connected. And I would say more than half of those will elicit a response. Some of them won't, but more than half of them will. And kind of that's how you get started. And then, um, you know, I think what I try and do is sometimes it's a mental note. Sometimes it's a note in my contact list. I, I jot down... Um, some things about the person that I remember, specifically some topics they were interested in, topics that they talked about that interested me. And then it's just really easy when things come up to think about, oh, who is that person I met at that last event? You kind of look it up with a search on your contacts. You can find it, and you can put people in touch with one another. So it does take a little bit of work, but I find that it's, it's a real good investment of time.
2: Okay, now you talked about that in terms of external. How about with internal?
3: Well, internal is probably even more important, especially early early on in your career. Um, and that is that, you know, when you're in a job, and, and I'm primarily talking about a corporate environment, but it's true with any kind of an environment, you come across people day to day who either help you do your job or you help them do their job or you're both working for the same person or whatever. Um, I think it's really important to find some time to grab a coffee, to get to know people, and to really, you know, get, get to know who it is you're working with. And that's how you learn how you can continue to, you know, help one another. And, you know, I think that that's one of the, probably one of the most important things you can do in your career is to build an internal network of people who can, who can you know, help build each other up a little bit, um, give each other a pep talk when you need it, and, you know, equally importantly, help you figure out solutions to problems that you're encountering.
2: All right. So let's say I'm, I'm, you know, early, relatively early in the career. I've been there five, six years. I sort of know where I've landed, what I'm interested in, in the environment. I've gotten some technical skills, some experience behind me. Do I aim very high in the organization? Do I look at the peer level? Do I look, you know, a couple steps above me? Where should I start targeting to get to know people?
3: Well, I think that you can overthink it. Um, I think that if you try and be too prescriptive in planning out every move in your career and what jobs you'll get next and therefore who should I get to know, I think that's almost too prescriptive because I've actually found in my career some of the greatest moves I've ever made were moves that I never thought would happen. And so, to a certain extent, I think peripheral vision is very important. Who are the people that are actually directly getting things done, but who are the people who can make things happen on the periphery? um I think those are important networks to develop and and those are those are things that um you can't always count on. Somebody's done it steps one, two, three, four therefore that those are the steps that are going to work for me. There's no prescription like that in in career advancement i I think in a, in any kind of a company.
2: Okay. So one of the pieces of advice I've heard over the years is you do a lot of different corporate social responsibility things. Maybe it's a charity event. Maybe it's a recruiting event. Maybe it's just something you were helping out with because you were interested. And you meet a broad range of people in those training programs, too, for that matter, that often those become really valuable resources over the course of the career. Do you find that to be true?
3: I absolutely do. And I think the reason it's true is because when you go to events like that, it's not in your normal course of work. It's not in your daily routine. So you are kind of out there and you're, you know, everyone's kind of putting themselves out there and you're, you're letting your guard down a little bit. And I actually think that's the best way to meet people, to be honest with you. Um, When everyone is kind of, looking around, wondering what's going to come out of this. That's kind of when I think the most interesting network relationships can develop. And, and, and true to what you said, some of the, some of the best friends I've made um, in my life, professionally and personally, have come from events like that.
2: Okay. All right. So now let's talk about time. Because the complaint I get from everybody everywhere is there's no time. I swear people are doing three and four jobs instead of just one and two. So how do you fit this in? Like, any tips for finding the time? How much
3: time should you spend? Well, you know, Wanda, I think at the end of the day, we make time for what we think is important. Um, We, you know, I, I set aside, you know, I don't know exactly how much time I spend on this, but... To me, this is this is the job. This is part of how you get things done: is finding people and um, you know going back and thinking about people who can help you think through a problem, that may or may not be someone who you interact with regularly in the day. Um, but but. You know, really building that network and and making sure you reach out to people, um, I think is is very very worthwhile. And like I say, if if front you invest in things that, um, you know, in, invest in relationships, I think that it saves time down the road. Um, if you know what I mean, does that make any sense to you?
2: And I agree with you completely because I think you invest the time. And either developing the relationships so that people are available as a resource, information, help when you need them, or you're going to invest time in the back end trying to convince people that the idea you have is a really great idea.
3: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Early early is better.
2: <laughs> and, uh, you know, I also I think you're right. Having somebody else who can help you think through that problem is a huge time saver uh, yeah. in the middle of it because you often can't see something that someone from outside can see. Absolutely. All right. So, um, any tips though about how to integrate networking in your sort of day to day?
3: Well, I think it's important to have some kind of a system, whether it is something you use in your contact files. You know, we all have we all have ways that we file people's names or and all that. I think that you need some kind of a system that basically helps you tap that network of people. For me, it's my, my actually my contact information in my notes. Under my contact file, I will jot down where I met someone. Sometimes, what year I met someone. If, it, if it's a conference I, you know, I go to, I, you know, I don't plan on going to again, um, but I'll jot that down. And that gives me an opportunity when I search through contacts to find people again. So it may be, you know, somebody I met at a. At a marketing conference in two thousand and sixteen, if I go back and search for that, I can come up with a list of people and, and you see a list you usually will recognize a name um, and and using those tools actually helps me out an awful lot. You know The trick is actually though if you are good at keeping in touch with people, you will remember them. I mean I know that sounds funny, but if, you know for the, for the people that you no- regularly keep in touch with you 'll remember you know where they work, where they live. Um, to that extent, whether they had kids in college, you know, what what was the conversation you were having when you met them that you clicked on? Um, you know, to the extent that you keep in touch with them regularly, they kind of become part of your regular life. And it, they're not just somebody you call once every few years.
2: And do you have a system where you go back through and say, you know, I haven't been in touch with this person in the last two years. Let me drop them a line. Do you actively go through that?
3: You know, Every once in a while I do, but it's usually related to something that I'm working on. I rarely just kind of out of the blue send a note to someone saying, hey, I'm just wondering how you're doing. Hopefully, this is someone who has kept in touch with me since, you know, we, we met. And therefore, it makes sense to send a note. Um, But, you know, like I said, if I come back from a conference, I send someone an email and they don't respond to me, I might try one more time. But if they're not interested in staying in touch, I usually don't bother uh, because there's plenty of other people that do. um, And and networking is kind of a two-way street. Otherwise, otherwise I think it's called stalking.
2: (laughs) <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And we've all been stalked by people. We don't want to hear them. We don't want to see them again. Don't want to talk to them again. Um I've heard people say that, you know, they sort of will comb through their... Um, network file or their Outlook database, you know, every 24 months to 18 months and just to say, who haven't I talked to in a while and just kind of go through. But you don't do that unless it's around a project you need.
3: Yeah, I usually don't do too much of that. I mean, every once in a while, I'll go through my contact list and, and actually clear clear people out that, you know, you kind of say, I don't remember who this person is and they haven't kept in touch. So, you can't, you know, go through and clear people out. And every once in a while, I will come across someone's name and say, you know, it's been a while since I chatted with them. Maybe I'll drop them a line. But that's very rare. It's very rare that I do that. And it's usually someone with whom I shared, you know, a big project with or something like that, that it would be natural for me to kind of be looking them up. If there's someone who never heard from me, you know, since we met, I, I, I normally wouldn't do that.
2: So, and I get the sense then that your network is built around actively connecting with people, both internally and externally, finding something that you have in common, uh, dropping a quick note, keeping up with what it was that you connected with that person on, and then you keeping that network alive as projects, topics, interests come up and expecting a reciprocal arrangement with it. And when all of that clicks, it becomes a really powerful network for you. Act, if it doesn't act. click, we clear it out.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing, um, Wanda, that, that that really puts the power in a network is when you have an opportunity to connect two people that you know who don't know each other. So every once in a while, I will come across somebody and we'll have a conversation at an event and they will be interested in a project. And I will remember that I met somebody who has worked in or around that space Having the ability to connect those two people is actually what makes a network the most powerful. I've always said a network is only as powerful as your willingness to share it with other people. And I actually spend quite a lot of time connecting people in my network to one another, if that makes sense to you.
2: It does. It does. Um, I know a lot of people will do this with me, they'll connect me with somebody that they think I have an interest in common with, but I I find that rarely that works. And I think partly because when people connect me, they often don't make a solid connection. They just say, oh, the two of you have stuff in common, I'll leave it to the two of you to meet. And that just sort of dies on the vine. So any secrets on connecting people?
3: Well, I think, it's, I think it's really important when you do an introduction that you explain why you think they need to meet. And I, I kind of write a paragraph and, and the, the format I usually use is Wanda, meet Bill. Bill, meet Wanda. And i will say, Wanda, Bill is a friend of mine or a colleague of mine who works such and such. And I go through a little paragraph on what he does and then explain why what I think he does is relevant to you. And then I would do the same thing on you, for him, and I, I think that that you 've got to take the time to do that, otherwise people can't see the relevance um, and and a lot of times before I send the email, I will actually phone both individuals and and let them know that i 'm making the connection and I think that's especially important for people who are very high profile people first of all, you can 't assume that they they are willing to do it, and so I always ask, is it okay with you if I connect you? And I think that, you know, if you do that, and, and if they say, you know what, doesn't sound like we have anything in common, then I won't do it, but that rarely happens. Um, but, but I think it's important in the introduction to explain why you think it's relevant for these people to get to know each other.
2: Okay, sounds good. All right, one last question then we're going to take a break. Um sure. did you do you put time in your calendar to actively network or is it just stuff that happens over the course of when you're doing your day-to-day activities?
3: For me, it's just that something that happens. I I think, you know, I will make a concerted effort when I come back from an event to actually sit down and go through business cards and and kind of log stuff in. And and so that's the only time that I kind of set set aside to do something specific. Otherwise, it's just in the normal course of business.
2: Okay, fabulous. All right, Anna, some incredible tips. With me today is Anna Catalona. Um, Anna has a long 30-year corporate experience in places like BP and is now managing a diverse board portfolio and writing a blog called Shades of Leadership. We'll be right back. When we come back, I want to talk about external events, Anna, and I want to talk about the secrets of how do you go, survive, what do you say, get away from people, and all those tips that make an external event really useful. We'll be right back.
1: Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
2: With me today is Anna Catalona. Anna has a 30 year corporate history in places like BP. She's, all, she is currently managing a diverse board portfolio with several companies and some nonprofits as well. And Anna's specialty is really around strategic branding and she's a champion of women in business. Um, and the author of a blog, shadesofleadership.com. I've been talking with Anna about networking and we focused on this last segment about networking internally when to start, which is early on, and how to keep that network alive and functioning in the course of the day-to-day business. And as Anna would like to say, your network is only as powerful as your ability to connect to people. So now, Anna, I want to talk about networking now as in networking events. So I go to an event, a conference, a social, a charity, whatever it is. We all get lots of those invitations. Most of us intend to go, and most people I talk to kind of dread it. So what are your tips for making an external networking event successful for you?
3: Well, I, I think that, um, I mean, you can make a full-time job out of going to these things, so you got to be careful and selective in terms of which ones you go to. Um, I actually find the best ones um, to go to are the ones where I actually know very few people. The, the tendency is to hang around people you know, and that actually works against you if you want to network because it's just you're so familiar. You're seeing old friends and getting together, and you can end up have, spending a whole afternoon with somebody who you know, and that's actually not, not what those are for. So, actually, uh, you know, I, I, I actually like to go to ones where I don't know a whole lot of people, um, you know, because it forces me to kind of get out and, and meet people in a different orbit.
2: All right. So you sound fairly extroverted. Um, are you an extrovert? <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, I think I am. Um, I'm I'm not someone who necessarily craves the limelight extrovert, but I am very comfortable in a room where I don't know people. Okay.
2: And is this a learned skill or you've always been good at it?
3: Um, you know, I think part of this is innate, but... Um, Because I think we're all wired certain ways. But I think that the more you do it, the more comfortable you become. And and it's a a confidence issue. Um, And so the the more you do it, I think the better better you are at it.
2: Okay. All right. So for those of us that are more introverted, any tips on how we can get comfortable and a bit more confident in that sea of faces when I don't know anybody?
3: Well, I think the most important thing that you've got to do is to be comfortable walking up and introducing yourself. And I know that, you know, that sounds really simple, but for some, for some, it's actually not an easy thing to do. So actually practicing putting out your hand, shaking, shaking someone's hands and actually having a line that says, hi, I'm Annika Catalano. Nice to meet you. Where are you from? Is a good way to start a conversation.
2: Okay. And that's how you start. Where are you from?
3: Yeah, sometimes. Um, or if I look at their name tag and they work somewhere where I recognize, uh, you know, I might say, I, well, I see you're from, I see you're from my hometown, Kansas city. How long have you been there? Um, look for something that can start a conversation. That's not a yes or no question. And I think that you find that in most cases, people will talk to you. And when people talk to you, that makes it much easier than when you have to keep coming up with lines to, to give to them. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I agree with that one.
2: I'm amazed um, how many times I introduce myself to somebody and I'll stick my hand out and say, hi, I'm Wanda, and they go, hi.
3: Yeah.
2: And, you know, the the code is you're supposed to now give me your name, folks. Come on, yeah. say something here. But yeah. I often so- I don't get it back. So um, <laughs> that takes a little extra effort. So, you, excuse me, what is your name again?
0: All right. Yeah, so I mean,
2: where are you from? Oh, you're from my hometown or you're from the XYZ company. Um, and I get a short answer. How, how do I keep that going?
3: Well, I think you can keep it going for a while. If they kind of act like they don't want to talk to you, then it, then it's you know, then you move on and you don't take it personally, right? But I think that there are some people who are naturally a little bit shy, and they just need to be drawn out a little bit. I think the the important thing is that if, if you are more of an extrovert, you need to be careful that you're not overwhelming, and you you give them a chance to do the talking. Um, so you know, I think that prompting with a few questions, you know, if it's a meeting that everyone flew to, you know, a good question is, so when did you get in? Did you get in today? You know, that kind of stuff, stuff that's like pretty safe that just about anyone can answer would be good. Um, but, you know, I, I, you're right. It does take two, It ta- it takes two people to have a conversation. So, you know, if it gets really hard, then after a while you, you, you just kind of move on because <laughs> it's just not comfortable. Right.
2: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let me do one more on this one because the other thing I find is that when I ask people routinely, maybe not a good question, what do you do? Uh So we've done the, you know, here's where I work and here's where I'm from. And so what do you do is a sort of natural we're looking for connections. I often get boring answers. So any advice about how to answer that question?
3: Yeah, first of all, you're going to the wrong conference. Just kidding. Um, I think that, I, you know, every answer can prompt another question. And I think that um, until you get to more of a conversation rather than an answer, I think you just got to keep working out, Because right? some people will only answer with the minimum amount that satisfies your question. And, you know, if it doesn't sound interesting, Then, then you move on. But In most cases, you can kind of say, oh, wow, so you're a banker. Where, you know, have you always been with the same company? You know, questions like that might draw out something a little bit more interesting. Does that make any sense to you?
2: Absolutely, it makes sense to me. Um, And when I talk to people about how to do networking, I sort of say, come with something that gives me a hook to hang on to. So when you answer that question for people, what do you do? Don't just give me the rattle off of the title unless I'm in the industry and we'll know what that means. Give me some clue about what that's about that I can ask a following question.
3: Well, I think it's equally important that when you go to these conferences, you also have an answer um, for people when they ask you the question so that, so that you're not as guilty of doing the same thing, right?
2: Great, absolutely. So I just met you at a conference, Anna, and I say, hi, Anna, what do you do? Oh, you're from Texas. That's interesting. We've had a little chat about Texas. And then I turn to you and say, what do you do? How do you answer that?
3: I answer by saying I work on a number of corporate boards. I spent my career in the oil industry, but I stopped that about 10, 11 years ago. And I now serve on a number of corporate boards. Great. Easy enough because then I can follow that
2: with what corporate board are you on? You know, how, how did you get on those boards? There's a lot of different answers that will go from that. Okay. So now let's go to the other opposite. Let's see how, you know, I've had a lovely exchange back and forth with you or with anybody else. And it's time to move on because I'm sort of interested in meeting a number of people at this event. How do you end the conversation? Assuming it's gone well as opposed to badly.
3: Yep. Uh, you know, what I normally do is if they haven't already given me a card, I say, you know what? It's been great to meet you. Can I have a card? And after they hand me the card, I say, thanks so much. Um, let's let's keep in touch and hope to see you around the rest of the conference. Great. And then you walk away.
2: Okay. All right. Now, suppose <laughs> it's not gone so well. This is one of those where I've tried five questions, six questions. I'm getting two-syllable answers back. Mm, uh, I've got to get away from here. How do you end those?
3: You know, I just say, hey, it's really nice to meet you. What a busy place this is. Hope you have a really good next couple of days. And then you turn around and leave. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I've done. I don't know if that's rude, but... You know, there are are times where it just doesn't work out. And usually what happens is in these conferences, other people will walk in, and if other people start walking in and they start having a conversation, then it's okay for you to kind of wave wave goodbye and, and, and move on. Right?
2: Yeah, I often find that the easiest way to uh end a conversation is to introduce somebody into the conversation so that if you stand with your body open, often people will kind of come up to you, others who are looking for some place to land, and it's quite exactly. easy to introduce two people and then just exit. But I also love that notion that it's okay to just say, hey, you know, interesting to meet you. I hope you have a good conference. I'm sure I'll see you
3: around. Yep. And that's a very gracious way. People are very comfortable. They don't, you know... Uh, You know, I I think that's – and I think, you know, people expect a certain degree of that.
2: Okay. Yeah, and I'm sure there's the person who's feeling awkward about being left behind because they're nervous about talking to somebody else. But that isn't exactly my problem, so – or anybody else's problem, for that matter. Okay, so you've talked a little bit about what you do as follow-up. Um, mostly you said in the last segment that you will go through your business cards, you'll make some notes about the people that you've talked to, you'll put those notes in your contact, and you spend some time logging the data in when you get back to the office. Anything else that you do in follow-up?
3: Um, sometimes if the conversation is, is has actually yielded, a recommend that, you know, a recommendation in my mind that I need to introduce someone to somebody, I will actually write on the back of their card. You gotta be careful culturally where you are when you do this. There's some cultures where you shouldn't do that. But I will often write on the back of the card, introduce this person to Celeste. And and that way I know when I go home, when I see it that this is, the, you know, it'll it'll jog my memory, right? Because now I've I've now talked to dozens of people, um. So I, you know, that's the only other trick that I use sometimes if I want to make sure I I make an introduction or I follow through on something.
2: And do you do that while the person is watching, or do you wait to kind of exit the room? Um,
3: sometimes, if the conversation makes sense, where they hand me the card, I will actually say, you know what. I'm going to introduce you to someone. I'm actually going to write their name on here so I remember to do it. And I think that's perfectly acceptable. Um, other times that they give you a card and you walk away, you can make a note later on, you know, things like that. There's a lot of, a lot of tricks you can use. I, I'm sure these days with cell phones that record voices, you can actually do that for yourself. I just I, I haven't totally embraced kind of walking around looking like James Bond yet, um, Talking into my cell phone. But, you know, I think the sooner you can do that so that you don't forget, the the better off it is. Right.
2: I often find it's my acid test of how well I connected to somebody. If I don't remember the conversation an hour later, then it probably wasn't a very powerful conversation.
3: You're probably right.
2: (laughs) Okay. All right. Now, before we take a break again, do you do any networking groups, you know, where you go to the same group over and over again? And do you find it helpful?
3: Um, I, there is one group that I go to, and it's part of a, a, a group that I've been a part of for many years called the Kellogg Innovation Network at in Northwestern University. It's an annual get-together. It's actually turned into a bit of a reunion. I would say about 30 to 40% of the people go every year. Um, so, yeah, those are, those are events. And, then, you know, in those events, it's actually very different than events where I don't know anybody. So for me, those are, the purpose of those events is to introduce people I know to people I don't know. Um, but but that's you know those I think can be very rewarding if if you feel like you're getting something out of them every time
2: okay, and presumably there's some content around that one, so that gives you talking topics and the breaks and so forth
3: absolutely absolutely
2: okay any other advice for finding a good networking group I mean obviously that one works for you um, yeah, any other I think, advice
3: I think you need to careful i think that you go to one um you know sometimes things sound interesting you go to it and then you you really need to be critical about do i want to go back to this one again um the majority of networking events i go to i i don't go back to again you know a lot of them i don't go back to again i I don't know if it's the majority but quite a few i don't because it just doesn't feel like you know i'm I'm getting much out of it and and like i say you can make a full-time job out of going to conferences all the time so i'm pretty choosy about which ones i go to
2: Okay, fabulous. All right, I've been talking with Anna Catalona. Anna has had a thirty-year corporate experience. I can't get the words out. A thirty-year corporate career in the oil industry, and now spends her time for the last ten years managing board portfolios, both in the profit and the nonprofit sector. We've been talking about networking, and particularly about external events. And Anna, I think from this particular segment, the one I love the most is when you have a conversation. It isn't going very well. You're ready to end it. You just say, "Hey, nice, been meeting you. I hope you enjoyed." the conference and I'm sure I'll see you around in the next couple of days. Sweet, simple, straightforward. When we come back, we're going to focus on um, some more aspects of networking. We'll be right back.
1: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network.
2: Welcome back. I'm Wanda Wallace. With me today is Anna Catalona. Anna has had a 30-year corporate career, predominantly in the oil industry, and now spends her time managing a diverse board portfolio, both on the profit and on the nonprofit side. Anna's specialty is around strategic branding, and she was voted by Fortune magazine among the most powerful women in international business. So we've been talking about networking because I would argue that Anna is actually a master networker and in addition, she's really good at using that network booth to get her work done, to make accomplishments for a company and more importantly, to introduce people within the network. We've been talking about external networking as well as internal networking and some tactics for how to find those connections and keep them alive in the natural course of doing business. So now, Anna, I want to turn to a a slightly different version Version of networking is more internal and it's this notion of sponsors and mentors. Everybody is busy talking about the need to have a sponsor and the need to have a mentor. And I want to just distinguish those two just to make sure everybody understands what I mean by them. So by a mentor is somebody that you have an ongoing relationship with. You expect to see periodically, not indefinitely, but periodically. They're good at giving you advice, and you would not hesitate to tell them what you need to know. You're not afraid to open up a bit to them. It's a relationship, and it's a natural relationship, an organic one as opposed to a assigned one. A sponsorship, on the other hand, is somebody who's willing to put their reputation on the line by backing you. They're willing to beat the table on your behalf. They're willing to put you forward. They're willing to defend you. And they're willing to give you very candid feedback if that's what you need. Two very distinct types of advice. So I have a lot of people ask me, how do I find a potential mentor? So Anna, let me start with that. What's your advice about finding a mentor?
3: Well, you know, a mentor, you know, like you say, a mentor is a relationship. It is, um, it's it's difficult to go out there and and find someone and seek someone specifically for it. I have found in my career, it's something that naturally grows out of two people who connect, who get to know each other and, and something clicks. And so, I, you know, I think the, the, the thing to do if you're kind of new in the organization or young in your career, um, look out for people who you really admire. Where they are in the company really doesn't matter. You don't have to find a very senior person. A mentor can be someone who is a peer. Um, that just has some more experience than you do. Um, and so I, I think that it, it's very important to keep your eyes open for people who are actually people who you think are easy to talk to, who seem to be willing to take time for people, and, um, you know, someone who you think you can you have good chemistry with. All right,
2: so now over the years in your corporate life, as well as now, you have to have had a number of people who have approached you to be a mentor. Um, when do you say yes, and when do you kind of dodge?
3: Well, I think that um, the, the most effective ones are not necessarily people who approach me and say, "I would like to be your mentor." Um, they're people who, out of conversation, it just naturally occurs. Um, I have had mentors for different times in my career for different topics I've had mentors who were women that were moms that helped me through you know being pregnant at work and having my first baby and balancing all that I had I had mentors for that, not many, but I definitely had some, and then I've had mentors during my career that have helped me through specific difficult circumstances and jobs and things like that, so um, they're just, they've just they been people who um, have sought me out because they thought I was a hard worker and said, hey, you know what, let's, let's grab a coffee and tell me about what it is you're doing, um, and some of those have lasted many, many years and have turned into very good friendships, and some have been job specific and people have moved on and they go somewhere else and and you know we've kept in touch but that's kind of it
2: so you would say that you can uh, evolve out of a mentor or i guess the synchrony just kind of moves on it's not so much to outgrow them
3: yeah okay I so, think so
2: some mentors you keep for a long time some you don't all right yep. now let's talk about sponsorship do you think you've had sponsorship over the course of your career
3: Oh, gosh, I know I've had sponsorships. I know that there have been people who have gone to bat for me, whether it's for a project, a job, whether it's defending me in an uncomfortable position I've been in, things like that. Yeah, there have been people who have put their reputation on the line for me and for the, a cause I am fighting for, and those people have been invaluable. And, and in many, in some cases, those people have turned into mentors. Okay. And they don't, don't have to be
2: inconsistent. Often they don't. They aren't always necessarily, but they mentors can be sponsors and vice versa. Absolutely. So now of the sponsors that you've had, how did that relationship evolve?
3: Well, I think that, you know, early in your career, you've got to have someone who is putting your name forward for promotions and for and for projects. And, you know, when people see that you're doing a great job on something and an opportunity comes there there's often someone who steps up and says, You know, I think Anna would be good for that. I you know, that to me is a is a very important um you know, they're willing to stake their reputation in 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 the interest of getting me an opportunity. Um, they can, it can be small. It can be a project. It can be a promotion. It can be a job that many people are vying for that, that they think you would be the best candidate. Um, so it can be a number of different things. But I know that there were many opportunities that I had that, um, you know, some some very important ones in particular that if someone hadn't gone to that for me, it, it wouldn't have happened. <laughs>
2: And that person go back to bat for you because they had seen your work and knew a lot about you, or is it because they just admired you, or
3: well, you know sometimes you know, they always have to believe in you, right but um, in on, on some occasions, I think people um, step out of their comfort zone and say, "You know what, I think we're missing something. Um, we've got a bias here that we is getting in the way. I think we need to consider somebody." Um, sometimes it's just some, an individual that's willing to call a halt to where the conversation is going to insert their opinion that kind of changes the trajectory of the conversation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: So that means one of the things we often say about sponsors is they need to be in good standing in the company so that when they do call a halt, people listen, as opposed Absolutely. to roll their eyes and go, oh, no, not that again. Absolutely. All right. And I, I think often we underestimate, I mean, you talked about promotions and projects and job opportunities, but there are little things that come up all along the way. I'd like to put that person on this panel. Yep. Um, I'd like that person to sit in on the presentation. I'd like that person to be at this client event. I'd like that person to have an opportunity to speak in this meeting. There are little tiny things also along the way that people have to identify you for and tag you for.
3: Exactly.
2: Now, let me flip the table on you. And say, I'm sure there are people that you've sponsored over the years. Oh,
3: yeah. Yep. Why? Um, because there are people who are very good at doing what they do. They may be kind of unsung heroes. And these are, you know, back to our earlier conversation, maybe some of the introverts um, that aren't out there kind of um, tooting their own horn. Um, I, I'm a real, real softy for people who, who do a great job like that and just need an opportunity to, to demonstrate it to a wider audience.
2: All right, so there are people behind the scenes who are actually advocating for introverts in the world who aren't (laughs) out um, bragging about themselves. I'm glad to hear that. Actually, I know that's that's true. Good for you. Good for you. Really,
3: really important. Very important. So is
2: there anything anybody can do, besides do a good job, that would encourage you to be a sponsor? Can somebody ask Um, you?
3: You know, for me, it it has a lot to do with attitude as much as it has to do with aptitude. So, you know, there are there are a lot of people who are smart, um, but for me, I, I really look for attitude. I look for people who are hard workers, who are dedicated, who don't let kind of one problem sink their whole attitude. Um, people who are problem solving, uh, things like that. I, I actually find that tremendously inspiring, and I think that people like to work for people like that.
2: So you're talking about optimism. You really like that kind of upbeat, there's a way around this, just not people I, who get so down all the time.
3: I do. That's the kind of people I like to work around.
2: I think most of us do as well, for sure. Okay, now, have you ever do you use mentors to help you build your network? Have you ever asked mentors to, can you introduce me to that person? I'd like to meet this person.
3: Um, you mean as a mentor or a mentee? As a mentee. Have you ever
2: asked mentors to do that for you?
3: Um. You know, I can't, I don't think I've actually specifically said I would like to meet that person to be a men- mentor for me. Um, you know, if anything, I've, I've always been the one to just kind of go out there and say, can we grab a cup of coffee sometime? I'd love to pick your brain. Okay. Um, I, I tend to do it more directly, um, but I know people who have, um, you know, who, who have asked me if I could introduce them to someone to be their mentor.
2: Yeah. Well, I didn't mean so much as be a mentor, but just use the mentor to help expand your own network.
3: Yeah, that I have done in terms of, you know, meeting people in in different businesses, different, um, you know, different walks of life. Yeah, I I definitely have. Um, You know, as as I've joined new boards of new industries, um, there are people who I said, you know, I really need to, understand this better, you know, is there someone you can introduce me to? To, And some, sometimes it's not even anyone specific. It's just asking someone, <clears throat> can you introduce me to someone who can really help me understand this business?
2: Okay. All right. Fabulous. We're going to take another break. With me today is Anna Catalona. We've been talking about sponsors and mentors. The fact that you need both, and that it has to be the relationships that naturally grow. And I think Anna's my favorite comment here about a sponsor is that you tend to want to sponsor people who are smart, work hard, very dedicated, and who just have a good attitude about it, regardless how tricky it gets along the way. That those are the people you kind of willing to reach out and help. When we come back, we're going to talk about boards. There's a lot of conversation about how do you get board appointments, and we have a specialist, so we're going to pick Anna's brain on how to get board appointments. We'll be right back.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it.
2: with me today is Anna Catalona Anna has had a 30 year corporate career largely in the oil industry and has spent the last 10 years managing a broad portfolio of board work both in the profit and non-profit work and especially strategic branding she's a master networker and she also writes a blog called shadesofleadership.com we've been talking with Anna about networking how do you keep that network going keep it active both internally and externally we're just talking about sponsorship and now Anna I want to turn to the ultimate of networking of all, I think, in my opinion, which is getting a position on a board. I haven't counted the number of boards that you're on, but it's more than two or three. So you have to be pretty good at this. And what I find is that people who find board appointments tend to be very, very good at networking with other people so they become candidates for other boards. Now, is that your experience? Is that what it takes?
3: Yeah, I think so. Although, I mean, I'm on four corporate boards and um, I've gotten on most of those from um, recruiters, um, headhunters. But that also has come from networking as well. So you're right.
2: Okay. And any, you know, what's your advice for anybody who would like to have a board membership? What's the process? What do you recommend people do?
3: I think the most important thing is to think about how you market yourself as a board member. One of the biggest mistakes I see is people take a professional resume and basically use the resume they've been using for their entire executive career and use it for board work, and I think that's actually the wrong thing to do. You need to develop a resume that is specifically designed for board work, and by that I mean um, really think about what are the things that you do and you know that makes you particularly interesting for a board of directors. So, what are the things that you want? You know, what are the what are the things you want to market yourself as to make you stand out? I think that's actually the most important step you've got to take.
2: Okay, so give me an example, either from yourself or from other people that you've seen coming on a board. Um, what makes somebody interesting for board work?
3: So for me, it, it, it's two areas. My executive career is like, probably like a whole lot of other people. You know, I started in sales, did a whole bunch of marketing stuff. But the two areas that are particularly important that I use when I talk to recruiters and and board folks um, is my experience in the People's Republic of China, where I um, ran Amico's downstream business. I actually speak Mandarin, so that's something that I I make sure people know. And the second is the whole area of marketing, where a lot of boards are short on people. Um, Most boards are made, you know, a lot of boards are made up of operational folks, financial folks. And so those are the two areas, international business and marketing are the two things that I basically use to 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 market myself those are the two areas that I think i the voice that they may be missing at the table that I think I can bring um, so so that's that's kind of how I've done it and I've always recommended that people do something similar.
2: Fascinating. So that would mean that if I really am targeting a company, for example, I need to have a sense of what's on the board, what might be missing on the board, how I might fit in it, and whether I'm going to be a likely candidate because they've got five of me already or they have zero of me already. And also thinking, what am I bringing? What's the voice I'm bringing to that board discussion that would be useful for them in their fiduciary responsibilities?
3: Exactly. Exactly. And then the networking occurs with the recruiters who are doing most of the placements for for public companies.
2: Okay. Now, you join a board. Um, Do you find it's hard to get to know the other board members? Do you spend active time kind of really getting to know them, or do you find the companies are doing a pretty good job of that?
3: Um I find it pretty easy. I usually I I've never really joined boards until I've at least spoken to everyone on the board on the phone if not met in person. I think that chemistry is really important when you're joining a board because you've got to you got to trust and like the people that you go through a lot of ups and downs with. So I think that's actually very important.
2: Well that's a very interesting idea. So you wouldn't just take the appointment without actually knowing who it is you're going to be sitting around the table and whether I like them or want to be around them. Very absolutely interesting no, idea.
3: Absolutely. No way. No way. I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. <laughs>
2: okay. Now, I hear a lot of people advising, particularly women, about looking for board appointments, that having one board appointment makes you a more, more credible candidate for something else. And a lot of the advice is to start with some nonprofit boards and then go um, to a larger board. Do you find a, similar, a similarity to make that good advice, or is there a real difference between nonprofit and for-profit boards? I
3: I think there's a tremendous difference between nonprofit and for-profit, and I don't think that one necessarily makes you ready to do the other. Um, I think that if you're interested in doing corporate board work, you need to get on a corporate board. That first board is really tough to get on. Um, your personal network, your network with recruiters, um, that, that's when it all pays off, is when you, they can help you get on your first board. I think from there, I think um, not-for-profit is fantastic, but they are very different types of boards than for-profit boards.
2: Okay. All right. Makes sense to me. Um, Before we close out, Anna, any last advice for anyone on this whole topic about managing the career and building the network and the sponsorship and so on?
3: No, I think that the only thing I would leave you with is, you know, that building a network in and of itself is actually very enjoyable because you meet the most wonderful people and you tend to meet people that are outside your normal orbit of business. And so I would just recommend you jump into it and, and work on it. And I think that you find that your life becomes enriched in so many ways you never counted on.
2: Sounds fabulous. All right, Anna, thank you for being with us. I think this has been fabulous. Well, thank um, you. Uh, So, so again, for those who are interested, Anna Catalona, the blog is shades-of-leadership.com. Um, and Anna is, has had a 30-year corporate career in the oil industry and now doing a lot of diverse board work, both profit and for-profit. I think the thing that I take away out of today's conversation is really where you started at the very beginning and this notion that it's not like you need, you have to have a systematic way of keeping track of your contacts. But basically, you connect with people that you find interesting, and then you incorporate them into the work and the projects and the ideas that you're seeking, and it becomes a natural part of how you do business, as opposed to something you set aside time for. So thank you. Next week, Scott Eisenberg will be joining us. Scott is also a master networker, but he comes at this from running um, a networking group and he's going to give lots of tips as well about how to navigate networking join us next week
1: thank you again for joining us for out of the comfort zone tune in again for another edition with dr wanda wallace next friday at 11 a.m pacific time and 2 p.m eastern time on the voice america business channel take charge this week